Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Well Church Satterton's podcast. We pray that you enjoy this message and that it creates a well of hope in your life today. Before I get started with what I have prepared, when we're in the, the pre-service time of worship, the, the Lord kind of revealed, laid something on my heart, and it, I didn't know where else it would fit within the message, so I want to I wanna share it from the beginning. You know, sometimes in part of that, we're, we're praying for people, we're praying for the needs of people, and you know, a lot of times when we're when we're faced with like desperate situations, when we're, when we're feeling that things are difficult, we're encouraged to, like the woman in Scripture, when she reached out and just touched the hem of, of Jesus' garment, she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And, and the truth is, that is enough. Just that slight touch of Jesus' garment is enough. But what the Lord showed me, what he revealed to me, is that Scripture also tells us that we are to put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And that's what worship is. We actually get to not just touch the hem of his garment, but we get to wrap ourselves in him. We get to fully envelop ourselves in him. And and if just a touch can can heal us and can change us, how much more can we be changed when we're wrapped in his presence? So that's what the Lord showed me. Hope uh Hope it is meaningful for somebody. Uh, so we're going to get started then. And, and last week, Matt shared a message that was centered around worship. And, and we're going to focus a lot on worship over these next weeks, uh, both on Sunday mornings and then again on, on uh, next month on the 15th with the night of worship. And as Matt shared uh, last week, one of our, our, our first core value is that we value the presence of God. And worship helps us to create that place for God's presence. And it isn't that that one core value uh, stands apart from, from the rest of our values. It's simply that without God's presence in our midst and in our lives, we can only do what's humanly possible. But with God and in His presence, nothing is impossible. In Matthew 22, 35 to 40, it says, And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. Everything that we do everything that we can do begins with loving God with our whole heart, soul, and mind. And worship is one of the greatest expressions we have for our love for God. Last week, one of the scriptures that that Matt referenced was from John 4, where Jesus encountered the Samaritan woman at the well. And verse 24 says, "Jesus, Jesus says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So that has to be our goal then. If, if we want to worship God, Jesus said we must worship in spirit and truth. So that has to be our goal. And last week also, if you, if you were here, um, Tiffany shared a vision that she had seen from, from the Lord a couple of weeks ago when we came together to break our, our corporate fast. And if you weren't here, you can ask her more about it or listen to the podcast from last week. But the basic message and meaning of what she saw is that we are all treasured by God. 
He has marked us as his precious treasure. And I want to share something also that the Lord showed me that night, and it has to do with the verse from John 4.24. And my devotion for that day was from Galatians 5. While it's vital for us to worship in spirit and truth, in Galatians 5, Paul encourages us to follow the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, um, and to live by the Spirit rather than the flesh. And often when we have great times of, of worship as we did today, and, and almost always do here, it seems sometimes like it, it's pretty easy to worship in the Spirit because the Spirit is so present and so, so heavy. But to live and to walk in the Spirit can be much more difficult. To walk in the Spirit while we're also walking in the, in the midst of the mess of the world in our lives, it can be hard. And last week, Matt also talked about a, the, the process of our life called sanctification. We're saved from, from our sin through faith in Christ. But learning to walk free from sin is a process that takes our entire lives. As Matt shared last week, the challenge for us is to be constantly moving forward, progressing in our maturity. We need to be willing to be challenged both by each other and by the Word of God. Sometimes it may seem like, like we have a long way to go and, and we're not making much progress, but Philippians 1.6 says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work among you will complete it by the day of Christ Jesus. So I want to get back then to, to what the Lord showed me that night. If we want to walk in the Spirit, He said we need to become transparent. And now here's the thing. The world says that if we're transparent, we're going to be honest with people. And we're going to let them know what we really think and how we really feel. We're going to be truthful to the point of sometimes blatantly uh, obnoxious. But as believers who have the Spirit of God in us, if we're transparent, then it's the Spirit that people should see and hear. It shouldn't be our feelings or our opinions because our feelings and our thoughts are flesh, not Spirit. So unless we're transparent and fully yielded to the, to the Spirit, we shouldn't really be letting people know what we think. Worship is defined as to honor or show reverence for a divine being, a supernatural power, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. And worship is a lot more than, than just singing and praising God. As we saw when we talked a few weeks ago about fasting and prayer, worship is also a lifestyle that we need to choose to practice if we want to reach the goal of worship in spirit and truth. There's a lyric from a popular hymn that I, I love, and I believe it, it reflects and shows the importance of practicing worship in our lives. And that lyric says, When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. So this life that when we get an opportunity to worship God and praise Him only lasts a little while, but in eternity, when we've been there 10,000 years, we'll still be singing His praise for 10,000 more. Amazing grace. 
along with worship in spirit and truth, I want to look at uh, some other types of worship that, that the Bible speaks about and things that we're called to do. The first one is coming from the definition of worship, and we'll call it extravagant worship. And we're going to look at three New Testament examples of extravagant worship. And the first one is from Luke 7, beginning at the 36th verse. Luke 7, 36. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to eat with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair of her head, and she began kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him that she is a sinner. And Jesus responded and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. The one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he canceled the debts of both. So which one of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I assume the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. And turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Then those who were reclining at the table with him began saying to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You know, it says she brought this alabaster vial of perfume and, and standing behind him, she was, she was at his feet weeping and began to wet his feet with her tears. And I think we would all agree that that was, um, her actions could be described as extravagant. But the true extravagance of this woman's worship was not just her actions. The true extravagance was that she worshiped Jesus extravagantly, even before she was forgiven. For her, it wasn't just about what Jesus did for her. It was about who he was. She recognized and worship him. And then next we go in John 12, beginning at the first verse, and it says, Therefore, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And so they made him a, a dinner there. And Martha was serving, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very expensive perfume of pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas, one of his disciples, the one who intended to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the proceeds given to the poor people? Now he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he kept the money box, 
he used to steal from it and put what, what was put into it. Therefore, Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you will always have the poor with you, but you'll not always have me. And now while these two accounts are fairly similar, Mary's extravagance here was based both on who Jesus was, but also what he had done, raising her brother from the dead. Her worship was judged, though, to be too excessive and too extravagant. And I remember a story that was told by a minister, and I I don't even remember who it was for sure. But he told this story about a man in the church who used to, during worship, he would crawl around on the floor, and he would sob, and he would cry out. And somebody questioned the minister and said, why do you allow that? It's excessive. It's over the top. It's, It's disorderly. And the minister told that person the depth of the darkness and the things that he had been set free from. And he said that no one should ever question the worship of another because they don't know what God's doing or what he's done. And that's what Kat alluded to. We want to create a space where people can worship extravagantly without fear or judgment. Next, in Luke 21, beginning at the first verse, it says, Now he looked and saw the wealthy putting their gifts into the temple treasury, and he saw a poor widow putting in two lepta, that's the smallest Greek copper coin, the value is about one, 128th of a laborer's daily wage. And he said, Truly I said to you, the poor widow put in more than all of them, for they all contributed to the offering from their surplus, but she from her poverty put in all that she had to live on. So giving is also a form of worship. In Malachi 3.10 it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and put me to the test now in this, says the Lord of armies. If I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Extravagant worshipers will be extravagantly blessed. Finally, as we look at the other things that are what else we need to do in order to truly get to the point where we worship in spirit and truth, where we begin to worship extravagantly, I want to look at another degree of worship we're called to. This one comes in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And and the New King James Version has just a couple different words. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our service of worship, and 
what's reasonable. So if we begin not with what's extravagant, not with what's fully in spirit and truth, but can we begin at least with what's reasonable? Can we live as a sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable, and not conformed to the world, but transformed? That way we may prove what the will of God is, what's good and acceptable and perfect. So I urge you, brothers and sisters, let's be reasonable. And now as we get ready to close, I want us to take a few minutes to, to think about and meditate on who God is and what he's done. And Donna's going to share something um, that the Lord laid on her heart, along with acknowledging who God is and what He's done, we also need to remember what God says about us, who we are in His eyes. Dave and I share pretty much everything, but we don't share what He's going to be preaching on. And I had no idea what this message was about, but the Lord brought to my mind something I was supposed to do today, and so I called Him, you know, texted Him, hey, is it okay? I'm a little undone right now. I'm a very extravagant person. I, I've had a lot of criticism for that. And for gosh, I don't even know how long it's been. I've been unable to worship in front anymore because I didn't want to embarrass myself anymore. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. May I be extravagant for the rest of my life. I have been forgiven much. And I will love much. Who am I? Jesus. That you call me by name. I am counting the stars in your blackened sky. You call them each by name. You know them each by sight. And in this sea of lights, I sense your majesty. Until I break at the thought that once great could care for me. Who am I, Jesus, that you call me by name? And what did I ever do to be loved this way? Who am I? Jesus, oh, in your eyes, tell me who, oh, who am I? Lord, I'm counting the mountains that I have laid at your feet, and I'm reduced to tears when I think about how you've moved them for me. Lord, in this storm of life, 
You've been my safe retreat And through the wind and the fire You've always been there To carry me Who am I? Jesus That you call me by name And what did I ever do To be loved this way Who am I? Jesus In your eyes And tell me who 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 am I? Oh, no greater honor Could I ever know Than the privilege To love you For the rest of my life Who am I? Jesus Who am I? Jesus Oh, who am I? Jesus Tell me in your eyes who, 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 oh, who am I? If you ask that same question, Jesus says, you're my precious treasure. So I want to send you out now with a benediction from Colossians 3. It says, let the peace of Christ to which you were indeed called in one body rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We're glad that what the Lord is doing among us encourages you. For more info about the church, follow us on Facebook or connect with us on Instagram. Visit dwellatthewell.com or come out and see us on a Sunday morning, 228 Ridge Avenue, Southerton, Pennsylvania. I'm taking away. Taking a well in the valley of my weed.